mother says he was a normal happy boy until he became obsessed with black metal music. Rock and roll! Sounds like Christian Rick. Heavy metal music. Groups promote satanic worship. They're anti-peace and anti-life. Hi everybody, welcome back once again to the Metal Face Podcast, the podcast where each week we discuss free heavy metal albums. My name is Ben, and joining me as always, I have Tom. Tom, say hello. Hello, Ben. And of course, we have Josh. Josh, say hello. Hello, Ben. Hello, Tom. Hey, Josh. Okay, so this is episode four, which uh, we are cautiously dubbing our Black Metal special. Black Metal. Uh, (laughs) Black Metal. (laughs) Expect a lot of that throughout, (laughs) I imagine. So um, this week, we'll be discussing Dark Throne's album, A Blaze of the Northern Sky. We'll be covering Onerism's The Well of Stars and Dimmu Borgir's album, Eonian. Onion. Eonian? Eonian. Eonian. Rotted black metal onion from the black charred soil. Putrid onions from Norway. Made into the foulest gravy. Is this how we're going to start this? (laughs) I think it is. Sorry, I'll edit that out. (laughs) We're probably recording this on two high quality mics anyway. Yeah, we need need the necro sound. (laughs) The worst quality possible. (laughs) So we're done with this black metal episode. But I think it's worth saying that this is not a, uh, a comprehensive history of black metal, is it, Ben? Absolutely not. My God, nope. no. Um, not at all. We, I mean, first of all, it would be completely impossible to cover any genre in three albums in mm. under an hour. Yeah, so it's not a black metal 101 for, for people who don't know the genre. No. It's really, um, what would you say? It's our individual picks for black yeah, metal. Yeah, and I think we yeah. tried to pick three things, or realistically, coincidentally picked three things which cover three different areas of black metal, right? Like, yeah, because it's quite a big genre at this point definitely diverted into lots of different subgenres. Mm. i think for sure like it's it, it's really kind of uh the big surprise of i guess like the late 2010s well not the big surprise one of the big surprises <laughs> there was a really big surprise at the end of the 2010s <laughs> yeah the season finale but um i think it's really fascinating how a lot of non-black metal bands have started to take black metal inspire like inspiration for black metal bands so mm. yeah um, definitely i hate to do this but uh they are as murder Big deathcore oh, band. God. They took a lot of. Um, what was the time on that uh, one, Tom? What was the time on that <laughs> reference? <laughs> we got. Oh, we got two minutes. In. <laughs> he's getting <Okay>. quicker. <laughs> oh my god, he's learning. <laughs> well, a few years ago, they put out an album and they named Behemoths uh, the Satanist as one of the big influences. And ah, you can well, hear the kind yeah. of evilness in the riffs, and I think it's interesting how how black metal, which is this originally underground, evil, mm. horrible-sounding, extreme genre, is kind of mm. spread throughout the world. That's really cool. Yeah. And I think uh, Genocidal Humanoids, um, System of Downs, latest song, is uh, has, has got a very clear black metal section in it. They've mm. like fully gone for a black metal riff. That's interesting. I, th- I think, yeah, I-, I wonder like if we'll ever see it like expanding beyond <laughs> the mainstream. Yeah, yeah, it'll, yeah it, 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 it might be a while. Like, but you've got people like Poppy who are doing that kind of weird, creepy, that's true. Yeah, metal-y yeah. Poppy stuff. Uh, yeah, Poppy's an interesting. one. Yeah, and yeah. to be fair as well, there's a lot of like synthwave bands out there that are like literally black metal artists who have moved into synth music. Yeah. Yeah. There's some pretty clear influence there as well. So I think maybe we should pull back a bit here and explain what the fuck we're talking about for mm. the uninitiated. So I think like a sort of a bastardized history of black metal very quickly would be that um, in the sort of late 80s where you have uh, Fresh and Def sort of coming to the fore, there's, uh, there's these bands like um, Venom and Bathory who are taking metal to sort of much more occult, sort of satanic mm. kind of places. Mm. At this point in time, you have death metal becoming technical, well-produced, and uh, black metal in the 90s was sort of a reaction against that, you know, what would you call it? It's like a... Commercialization in a way, isn't it? Yeah, in a way, commercialization, <laughs> it's yeah. a sort of... It's it's making it sound acceptable. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's very very well polished kind of thing. Black metal sort of a reaction against it. That was my expectation going into this episode. Was um, lots of very like lo-fi, mm. really dark, just the the most satanic metal effectively that you could think yeah. of. You know, kind of what the mainstream expects metal to be, but um, yeah. actually even worse in a way because it's the the low production. Yeah, like grinding basically. Yeah, but that's not all of black metal by a long shot not yeah. at all and it's definitely it's one of the most notorious genres of metal because of its uh, you know its affiliation with a series of sort of murders and arsons at the, in Norway in the 90s the crimes of black metal 
Exactly, yeah. And that's definitely that's something to address in a future episode, I think, because mm. most people mm. are familiar with the history to some extent anyway. Mm. But I think what we're really here to talk about is the sound of the music, I suppose, what our previous exposure to black metal has been. I remember last year, Ben, you asked me if I could make you a playlist of black metal. So I put one together for you. <laughs> you spoon-feed me black metal. Yeah. <laughs> and it had your sort of Dark Throne, Blood Feel, mm. uh, Immortal, uh, a couple of other things as well. And yeah, but what's your sort of, what has been your exposure to black metal over the years yeah I'll, I'll be honest my expectation like i said was just to be really like classic norwegian black metal that was really what i thought yeah. we were going to get this week and as we get into the bands obviously we'll realize that isn't what we had i think just as like a wider point i don't pay a huge amount of attention to like genre labels mm. but then maybe that's not true because i think when someone tells me something is black metal i have an immediate assumption of what it's going to sound like yeah yeah i think i'd say that my my starting point for black metal um was behemoth really yeah i got really into behemoth and i think they've got that sort of like well-produced uh more like symphonic atmospheric kind of vibe that's mm. more popular mm. these days and that was kind of my entry point and then yeah last year i asked you to sort of put together a playlist of saying that was a bit more a bit darker and um yeah. you said you, you delivered it was good <laughs> i really enjoyed it <laughs> yeah it's a good playlist <laughs> yeah and then then i think um this episode really then just showed me like how much fucking music there is out there like it's just oh yeah absolutely black metal especially i think more than any other genre there's just so much in it and it's i think more so than thrash where it's like thrash describes a very like particular type of playing mm. and it, it is broad and it does have lots of sort of differences in it but black metal is at this point like a huge umbrella term which can mm. cover everything from like something very symphonic and kind of you know extremely palatable to something that's very sort of punk and rock and roll and savage all the way to stuff that's extremely sort of heavy and sort of bordering on uh, on death metal sometimes. I think that's an interesting point because like when we talk about genres, it's kind of like when do you drop the black metal part of the genre? You know, we, we have symphonic mm. black metal, which I feel mm. is so far away from traditional black metal yeah. that you might as well just give it a new name, you know? And I think the thing that really crucially defined black metal is non-stop like machine gun speed blast beat mm. with a sort of fast tremolo picking and normally very high-pitched, drawn-out sort of screeched vocals. I never liked classic black metal, really. I listened to bands like Emperor. Like, I liked Emperor. Oh, yeah. But, like, yeah, like, but other things like Immortal or Mayhem never really grabbed me. And it was only, yeah. like, kind of more recently when listening to bands kind of on the periphery, like like you say, like the symphonic black metal, uh, so Enerism, who, who I've kind of made everyone listen to this week, are yeah. very much at the edge of the genre but also you've yeah. got things like um so soul dusk are a kind of it's 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 she's a lady from australia and she does a black metal slash acoustic neo-folk mm. kind of damn yeah thing. those are the kind of the ways i got into it and even when you we, look at can we just throw out pretty niche, pretty niche? <laughs> no i i take your point i take it to be fair i think no. i think Having I, been in, in you know, listened to Metal since a teenager, then in a folk band, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm in a bit of a no, good that, I Don't get me wrong, I love that. I love that variation in the genre and how yeah, there are yeah. just so many influences and so much stuff that comes into it. Like, that is, it's a great thing. And I think black metal particularly is something that can absorb all those other genres very well. It's like you get sort of, you get black metal bands that have a lot of folk sounds mm -hmm. in there. You have like black thrash bands. You have blackened death metal like Behemoth. You know, you sort of any given genre can sort of be put through the black metal uh, lens and turned into something evil. You know? <laughs> but that, that's kind of interesting, though, isn't it? it? It's kind of this inversion of what it was because black metal started out as like this rejection of the mainstream genres, didn't it? Like people were yeah. like, I don't want to be in this death metal scene because it's too yeah. because it's too and commercial. Like imagine imagine saying that. Like, you know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and now and those, those those purists still exist, right? You know, like there's Oh absolutely the genres yeah. change so much and um there are people who will be like, This isn't black metal and yeah. you know, it's it's difficult because different things become more and less popular. Like we've said before, that original music is still there. You can still enjoy it. So I think that's kind exactly. of a, a silly yeah. position to yeah. take. But, you know. Being such an extreme genre, it attracts extreme people. Oh, They for have sure. extreme points of view. <laughs> that is <laughs> that's pretty well us. documented in the history of black metal. I think that's all we'll say on that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys ever heard of Dungeon Synth? No. no I haven't. <laughs> so I'm Dungeon intrigued. Synth is, uh, as one of my old colleagues described it, uh, RuneScape music. It's got this really cool... <laughs> it, it's like this kind of like... Obviously, like lo fi, synthy, fantasy theme music. Mm. But it's got this big crossover with atmospheric black metal. Like, oh, that's interesting. You, like something like, uh, I think, like Damn Chill of Life or something, where you've got this yeah. kind of sad sounding synth and like this dark ambient kind of vibe. And I think it's interesting how we're seeing this evolution again 
kind of back towards more mainstream in a way. Like, it's quite accessible. It's just yeah, weird. Honestly, let's say really quickly, we're on episode four of this, and my mind's already blown just how much music there actually is. Oh, yeah. it's insane, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. Like, obviously, everyone likes listening to music, but there is definitely something else to sort of going, like, I'm going to go explore, you know? And there yeah. is so much out there. And I think, yeah, particularly black metal is something that started as this very sort of underground, strange, different sort of form of music and has now absorbed so many other things and kind of come back to the mainstream in a way for metal. Exercises in Futility by Migler was voted second or third album of the decade on Banger TV. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I've been into black metal in general for years now but uh, last year particularly i got kind of absorbed by the genre and how much there was going on there and particularly this feeling that you could have incredibly heavy music that was also full of atmosphere and kind of mm. spiritual as well so so you're positioning yourself as the uh as the black metal expert so um any criticism directed tom's way full-on expert i know exactly what i'm talking about <laughs> master's Good. degree in black metal studies i'm glad you've positioned yourself I've so never... readily to receive criticism <laughs> <laughs> I would say, I mean, you obviously got more experience in the genre than I have. This week, I've basically been in, like, entirely into listening to black metal. There's, um, genuinely, I love my Spotify, and they've got a really good players on there, Black Metal Essentials. There's a lot of good Ooh, yeah. good tracks on there. Um, it got me really yeah, into definitely. Rotting Christ this week. I've been listening to a lot oh, of yeah. Rotting Christ. Oh, nice. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really enjoyable. Um, I actually, you know, I've not really listened to Rotting Christ. I wasn't aware they were a black metal band, so I will check them out. Well, yeah, Spotify says they are, and I go by what Spotify <laughs> says. Um, I'd say my, my, my only other, like, band that I'd like to point out is, um, is Cradle of Filth, because they're kind of like a guilty oh, yeah. pleasure of mine. Nah, mate. I feel like they're really all right. Okay, I'm glad I can be accepted. You are are forgiven. Um, (laughs) I feel like they are a massive like cultural punching bag. Your sin is encouraged (laughs) by black metal. (laughs) But yeah, no, yeah, it's it's a good genre. A lot, a lot going on. Um, Mm, Yeah, definitely. And in that spirit, I think let's uh, let's talk about our first album this week: Dark Thrones, Ablaze in the Northern Sky. So to talk about Dark Throne, we've got to talk about black metal. Building on the sound of the first wave of black metal in the 80s, sort of proto-black metal, bands like Venom and Bathory that I mentioned earlier, the second wave reacted against the sort of overproduced death metal of the time, whilst also drawing on it, to create something that they hoped would be completely fucking unlistenable and raw, and going back <laughs> to that first wave sound. Thus, black metal as we know it was born. And we're talking high shrieking vocals, machine gun drums, tremolo picking and a strong dose of sort of lo-fi satanic and norse imagery and a blaze in the northern sky sort of a cornerstone of the genre it starts from second album and it's their first black metal release their first album was actually a death metal release interestingly mm. enough it's uh it's the first of what people <laughs> what what people sometimes call <laughs> i don't know which people sometimes called the unholy <laughs> you <laughs> the unholy trinity that includes under a funeral moon and transylvanian hunger which sort of mirror this sound a little bit they kept going with it for those two records in my mind though this one the first one is definitely the sort of the most savage and the most uh, genre defining even though i mm. think transylvanian hunger is kind of probably remembered a bit more i first heard it when i was about 16 and i loved it then and i love it now i think it's uh it has what i consider to be a kind of like a sabbath quality which i think some bands have where it's not so much that they've written a bunch of amazing songs and catchy sort of things that you're going to remember it's more that they've created a sound that really changed Mm. the genre obviously a lot of bands were doing it at this time but i feel like this album is just an absolute crucial part of what became the genre that we call black metal today and as i was saying ben i made you a playlist of black metal last year so i want to know what do you think of a blaze in the northern sky uh sure and sweet i really liked it <laughs> yeah man <laughs> done no it's um yeah I, I i'd listened to the album through once i think last year and i didn't really understand like the historical like context of black metal or anything i'm not saying you need that but um it definitely helps to understand where they were coming from and kind of the space they were working in at the time it's like why would they do this <laughs> a little bit yeah but that, that yeah. kind of helps my enjoyment of it because you kind of yeah. understand the influences that they've taken um because like when you listen to an album from like 1990 today um yeah you don't have that context and i think having that context mm. really helped me mm. and you said about like a sabbath comparison i think that's really really appropriate because i am a big black sabbath fan and i like a lot of the stuff that came out of it like you know that yeah. stoner doom kind of like stuff that came out of yeah. sabbath and i'm not such a big fan of black metal day to day 
So I think maybe that's why I never quite made my way back to listening to Dark Throne. Yeah. But no, I really enjoyed it. It's really like pure music. It's just the other albums we're going to talk about today are really good comparisons because they've leaned so much more on sort of like production quality and symphonic elements. Whereas mm. I feel like mm. it's an active rejection of those things in this album. But it's great. I, I really, I really liked it. I'm curious to know what you thought, Josh, because I feel like maybe not so much. I feel like there might be a dissenting voice here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no more blazes of the northern sky for Josh. Northern sky will be not on fire. <laughs> no. Josh shows up to the burning church with a fire extinguisher. Go on then, Josh. <laughs> so here we go. I. <laughs> Whenever you do the long so. <laughs> I enjoyed the um, kind of concept of it, and I think it's a really you know it's obviously a classic album, isn't yeah. it? And it, it, it's very influential, and it really set the stage for a lot of music that I do really like, but. I cannot tell a lie and say that I really liked this album. I found a lot of the elements in it, which were meant to be like threatening and extreme, quite funny. Yeah. So <laughs> some of the um, spoken word sections where he's mm. kind of got the goblin voice going, mm. and I don't mean crip voice when he's singing. I mean, I mean, I mean the the, the goblin, like where it's all kind of nasal, like. <laughs> <you know? laughs> um, I did not find those like. It, I feel like a lot of the things that were anti atmospheric kind of threw me out of the atmosphere. Interesting, and I. I, I also like I totally acknowledge that like I mean I'm just coming from the wrong point of, point of like view from this like definitely like I enjoyed the guitar tone and how it sounded the overall atmosphere was was in general pretty cool but it just it just I I didn't it didn't grab me like mm. the other ones part of it was like if you watch Lord of the Rings now again feel a bit generic because you know goblins and dwarves and elves it all feels very you know, Dungeons it's, and it's been done over and over again yeah yeah but the the reason it feels generic is because they invented it mm. right because it you was know? so influential. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, it, it's really a victim of its own success here. Yeah. And I'm being a very ignorant person, but I just, it didn't really do it for now, me. Now, see, it's interesting you say that, because I think that those sort of goblin, <laughs> goblin-esque <laughs> moments, and let's just define our terms a little bit here. Uh, the, the crypt voice is like a style of singing, which he doesn't actually really do in this album at all, where it's kind of, you're not really singing so much as being like, Planet of the Reptile. I knew you were going to use that example as well. That's because I love that song. (laughs) (laughs) This goblin voice that you're referring to is more the kind of, the slightly weird atmospheric spoken word bits, where he's sort of like muttering over the start and ends of like parts of the song, right? Yeah. That is what I'm referring to. Now see, I don't find that threatening or scary or atmospheric. I find it weird. And there's something about this album where, like, it's weird. It's like, who would make an album like this? Why would they? <laughs> why would they do this? You know. But that's why it's for me. That's why I like it so much because it's nice such that. a unique piece of work. In that you can find other stuff that's like it because there's so many imitators. But there's something really pure about it. In my mind, it's like it's the platonic ideal of a black metal album, and everything else is like a, a derivative of it. I'm yeah. aware. By the way, for anyone listening, that there are other amazing influential albums that we're not probably even going to get around to talking about on this episode. And so, yeah, I, I, I take your point that it's it sounds it sounds pretty fucking weird. But you know, for me, that's part of why I like it. I think it, it comes down to again, you know, the, the like the black metal brainworm, like we we're talking about before, with the metal brainworm. You know, maybe yeah. it's just some people really love the stuff and some people don't. And I'm I'm in the I'm in, the, I'm in the, you know, unfortunate mm. category of, of liking I, breakdowns and disliking crypt <laughs> I think if this had hit me um, maybe a couple of years ago, uh, I wouldn't have got it. Yeah. But yeah. Tom has successfully put that worm into my brain. <laughs> and Tom, you're saying this being a really influential album on the genre. Um, I think that's completely true in terms of there's a lot of different ideas in every song. I feel like yeah. some albums, they get a good idea and then they do that idea in minor variations for every song. Mm. But mm. there was quite a lot of variety, I think, on the album. It didn't really feel like it got samey. Yeah. yeah and and yeah. the songs are quite long, so you get a lot of different ideas in each song. I think um, what I really like is there's some really unusual things thrown in there. So you've got like your typical sort of black metal stuff, as I say, fast, like, tremolo picking, shrieking vocals and things like that. But you've also got moments where it sort of turns into, like, doom with some very slow, heavy riffs. You've mm. got sort of weird spoken word bits over the top of the music. You've got this sort of stompy, almost like um, D-beat. You know what D-beat is? Explain like it for the audience. Of, Obviously, I know. but <laughs> It's a style of like um, drumming in sort of extreme punk and grindcore, mm. where they say that the the beat sounds like somebody going, big banana bread, big banana bread, big banana bread. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the whole song is going, like that. It's got some of those sort of moments in there as well. If you're interested in that, you should check out Disclose. Type in Disclose D-beat raw punk on YouTube. You'll get it. 
Terror in the Nuclear Age, something like that anyway. Good album. So it's got all that sort of stuff in there, but it's also got the sort of, the kind of like bafflingly effective acoustic guitar moment at the end yeah. of In the Shadow of the Horns, oh, where it's you, like, mm, you know it's what? suddenly, well, okay, you go. Tell me what you think. I loved that song. That was my favorite song on the album, but I would have just literally cut that acoustic guitar track out at the end. Weirdly, it didn't, it didn't, la- like, I didn't, I didn't enjoy that. Oh, I was just like, oh, I would have preferred without that. Like, I, yeah. I don't know why. Maybe oh. if I listen to it again, I'll change my mind. But It's so weird because it, it suddenly like splits the music, like separating yeah. oil from water. Mm. You've got this, you're actually listening to the acoustic guitar and you suddenly become aware of how savage and like rattling and lo-fi and strange the rest of the music is. Yeah, I, when I was listening to uh, Kafarian Life Code. Um, oh yeah, I, I felt, love that song. I feel like that song was like a 10 minute live jam session almost. Like it was mm. obviously really clearly well put together, but it was so like chaotic and just like changing it. Yeah. It felt, it, yeah, like like a jam session almost. And, and I, Dark Throne don't play live, right? Like they haven't played live since the 90s or something. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I don't know. I think maybe in the 2010s was when they were, oh no, what I mean, 2000s was when they were last playing live. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I think it's a shame. I'd like to see them. <laughs> mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell, me too. No, okay. It does, in a way, have a bit of a kind of improvisational feel, doesn't it? Mm. Not necessarily in the house, but together, because, you know, it, it, it's obviously well-constructed, but yeah. in the sense of, like, it's like, oh, let's try this new thing. Yeah. And, and it's cool in that sense. There's some bits where it breaks into almost, like, directly, like, Black Sabbath-sounding moments as well. It, where, it does a very classic feel. Yeah, where the, the riffs suddenly just start, like, Picking up the pace and like bouncing a little bit, yeah, sort of bouncing. That's that's the word I mm. picked out. There were some real bouncy guitarists, which I did not yeah. expect. <laughs> weird, right? Paragon Belial is a particularly good example of that, where they just use mm. all sorts of weird things in like one song. Yeah. yeah, and that that started to remind me of um, Satyricon's King. Oh, um, great song! Because that's very like bouncy and very yeah. like I don't know if black and roll is the right word, but mm. yeah, it, it suddenly has that more like rhythm-led sort of feel to it, rather than. Like Kafarian mm. Life Code, which is that like pure chaos feel to it. And I think mm. maybe that's the point I was trying to make earlier in terms of there's a lot of different ideas in this. And you can see yeah. so many things splintering out of it that that's, you know, yeah. I, why I would also pick this out as like such an influential album. Yeah, because I mean, I think it, it covers all the areas of black metal. It's got your, mm. your atmospheric moments. It's got your full on black and roll kind of stuff. And it's got your straight up sort of rolling, grinding black metal. Any favorite tracks, Ben? In the Shadow of the Horns and Paragon Belial, uh, two mm. I picked out. Um, I really liked Kafarian Life Code as well. Towards the end of the album, I, I do feel like it trailed off a little bit. Funnily enough, A Blaze in the Northern Sky is actually not the best song on the album. Really. No, I, I didn't really find that very memorable track. at all. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Josh? Was anything, did anything stand out for you or was it all just... Um... It blended into one for me a little bit. I think mm. it's a guitar tone. It's, it's quite impressive. There was no yeah. real one standout. Yeah. Yeah, so the really cool of the stages. So in in the Channel of the Horns, I think there were a couple where yeah. it had that quite like, if I remember correctly, I see the, the bouncy, quite like classic feel. Mm. Which I think mm. was a cool vibe. But to be honest with you, I kind of found it hard to pick a single one because a yeah. lot of it yeah. was just kind of like the oppressive feel. And I think like you know that's really okay because I think one thing that this album does that people never expect it to do, it's can be kind of weirdly relaxing to listen to. It's sort yeah, of it's yeah. sort of hypnotic in its kind of strange, repetitious nature, super lo-fi effect. It kind of gets into your head, and it, like I like listening to it when I'm hungover because it sort of reflects how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah. on favorite songs, yeah, "Shout of the Horns" is one of my favorite songs. I would say of all time. So yeah, wow. it's uh, for me, it's wow. a fucking ten out of ten album. Nice. Yeah. Just um, one more thing I'd just like to mention before we move on. The artwork for this album is legendary. <laughs> It's fucking yes. it's so it brilliant. I love it. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> it just fits perfectly, doesn't it? There is never yeah. a more perfect album artwork. It's, I love it. I'll tell you what it is. Like all you need to do to create something like that, right? If anyone little little guide to creating black metal artwork here. Get your image, put it in grayscale, so put it in black and white, and then just up the contrast all the way and you'll have a black metal album cover. <laughs> Done. Simple. And I mean that's that's black metal, isn't it? It's uh, it's super lo-fi. It's black and white. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's great, and I love it. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. So, moving from lo-fi origins of the genre to hi-fi or maybe mid-fi, maybe not cutting edge, but definitely the evolution of the genre. We've now got the Well of Stars by Onerism. So, Onerism is a one-man black metal project by and apologies. Uh, Monsieur Guibert, 
uh, by Antoine Guibert, started in 2014. <laughs> All of his lyrics focus on his own lucid dreams, and this gives a quite kind of a psychedelic and whimsical feel mm. to the music, which is an unusual feeling of Black mm. There's a lot of kind of cosmic imagery, like nebulas and stars in the lyrics. So Ernerism is a small project, but has really good production values and sounds really good. Mm. And I think this really shows what a motivated soul musician can do. And this is kind of getting a bit beyond just Ernerism, but I think in Black Metal it's very interesting in the scene. There's all these multi-instrumentalists who have lots of kind of solo projects, yeah. which you don't necessarily see in Thrash, for example. No, that's true. You do see in other parts of metal, like uh, Gent and mm. Prog and the like, which is kind of interesting. And I just, I really love the idea of Black Metal in particular, of you know, a single musician working away, creating this expansive sort of fantasy world, which is something that happens a lot in metal, you know, with the origins of the genre having this kind of weird tie to, like, Dungeons and Dragons yeah. and things, <laughs> creating this fantasy world and then expressing it through music. I find that so cool. And I think Definitely. that's probably why these kinds of projects really grab me. Yeah, but I was going to say, this feels like a bit of a theme with your choices, Josh. You, you like the wider fantasy setting for your, uh, your metal. I think that's, mm, that's really interesting. Mm. I mean, it's interesting because one of my favorite bands is Code in Cambria, and they've got this whole fantasy world as well. You can buy their comics and things. Mm. It is definitely, you're right, Ben, something I really think is cool. Mm. Um, but it's because I'm a giant nerd. <laughs> Aren't we all? I guess I'm interested to hear what do you guys think of this? Because as you have pointed out pre show, a lot, this is, you know, the first track is not black metal. I feel like I spent most of this album. Not listening to black metal. <laughs> yeah, I felt like I was listening to like the Skyrim theme tune for a lot of this. Like I felt yeah. like I was in a fantasy game. It reminded me of the Kung Fu Panda soundtrack written by Hans Zimmer. <laughs> really? Which is a great soundtrack, and okay. that's definitely not a criticism. It wasn't quite what I was expecting when we decided to do a black metal episode. Here's the thing. At this point, I feel like I've heard most variations of the genre. I don't know, maybe even all Ooh. of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look at this guy. <laughs> and um, But it's still really fun to go back and dive into some of them. And i got to say, I enjoyed this. You know, As we were saying just now, I feel like most of it kind of isn't even black metal because a lot of it's like soundtrack sort of stuff. It starts out with this sort of really beautiful kind of soundscape. goes on for like six, seven minutes or whatever. Second track, you get that first like guitar tone you're sort of like reminded that you're still listening to like metal and it goes into this really kind of spun out epic feeling music that's kind of it's really it's always upbeat in moments and it doesn't have that kind of lo-fi washed out hardcore savage mm. punk thing. yeah it's very upbeat right it, it feels good to listen to it. i think what it does have that darkroom has is that hypnotic energy yeah it's, it's definitely very upbeat that was something that really surprised me about it is i was expecting like our black metal episode to be uh very not depressing you know not like making you sad but more on that mm. like nihilistic and just dark wavelength and there is a bit of that here and i mm. think one of my favorite things about this album is that contrast where you have first four tracks are part one through part four and it's like part one is very soundscapey very uplifting and then mm. there's more sort of black metal influence in the second track and then it kind of repeats on three and four but it's that contrast that i actually really enjoyed and going yeah. from sort of feeling like We've talked about music before putting you in a in a place. I felt yeah. like I could be sort of climbing a mountain listening yeah. to this with like the really high fancy <laughs> stuff and then something bad happens and it gets all dark again. <laughs> it yeah. sort of reminded me about of like uh you ever listen to um Bork and Agar? No. Bork no, no Bork Bork Nagar. <laughs> bork Stop saying Bork. <laughs> Raised Bork ribs. Bork. <laughs> bork. Interesting that you say that those sort of elements kind of contrasted. Something like Dark Throne, the acoustic guitar and the like necro sound contrast a lot. Like I said, mm. I actually feel like something I really liked about this album was that the orchestral parts and the black metal parts almost complement each other. It's not mm. like here's one thing we can do and here's another thing we can do. Oh, don't get me wrong. It, it's not. It's not a. It clash. flows into one. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. Not, it's, it's not yeah. a clash. It, it is. Um. It's mm. well contrasted because you can have mm. songs where you're like, wait a minute, these elements just don't fit together. Yeah, there's a contrast, but it's yeah. not good. But this was, it mm. made total sense. Like it flowed. I mean, like I said, the album's in sort of part one to part four and I never noticed when the tracks transitioned. I just basically put it on mm. and listened to it all the way through and was like, oh my God, it's been on for like 50 minutes. I didn't even yeah. realize. Like, <laughs> for real, yeah. It, it's, it, it's, I think it's really impressive how he manages to marry up these two totally different styles into this cohesive kind of soundscape-y, atmospheric-y, mm. v vibration-y 
world. I would question whether they even are that different in a way. No, I think no. there is something about black metal that kind of appeals to something a little bit more classical. It's sort of it's it's like large scale dramatic music, you know. And I think the the electric guitar is sort of expressing something that like it would take a whole orchestra to do in the past, mm-hmm. you know. I do think it's interesting that you say that because I think a lot of black metal, more recently in particular, is very orchestrated as well. I think I think we'll mm. find that as well when we talk about Doom yeah, Warrior later. Certainly. Yeah, I mean, I think talking about Dark Throne and then talking about Ownerism, they are so different. There, there's some elements there, right? Like mm. a few ingredients, but my God, like the end result is so, so different. Mm. And you can see it even in the album artwork of Dark Throne's album being like a sort of a very high contrast washed out sort of photo <laughs> and then Ownerism being this sort of beautifully like digitally yeah. painted like sparkling <laughs> tree <laughs> yeah yeah and that's where i think you know i really don't want to bang on about the genre thing but it is just like i start to question like are we even in the same zone here mm. you know I, yeah. there are elements but i mean i think that's really a strength of uh, black metal though this how how widely it's kind of spread its it's it's you know its wings its tendrils its definitely yeah and i've got to say i really appreciated actually listening to this because it, it sort of opened my eyes to a lot of music like ownerism that's out there mm. um it's not an area definitely. i'd really like got into before after listening to ownerism i listened to uh can bard and i think they're very oh, similar yeah. very yeah very similar mm. it could have been the same artist uh, right. for listening mm. to it yeah really really also enjoyable again like brilliant soundscapey sort of bits pretty pretty decent black metal in there as well yeah and there's even black metal bands that have like clean vocals as well which sort of is like removing another what? element and somehow still <laughs> staying black metal I, I think um black metal absorbs more influences than say thrash or grindcore where yeah. there's some essential elements where like you listen to metallica you listen to municipal waste you listen to vector you listen to evil they're all still very clearly thrash yeah and there's yeah, something there's something it? about them where like they could all still play a fucking show together you know mm. whereas i wouldn't expect to see dark throne and ownerism playing together for example i mean maybe they could in fact I, you know, i'm sure they probably could no but uh, yeah i'm sure they could but it wouldn't be like wouldn't... they're not as tightly related mm. somehow no. So something I was thinking about this week, because we were having a conversation earlier on about introducing sort of um, non-metal fans to the genre. Do you think Mm. you'd have better success starting with Dark Throne or Ownerism? Because I feel like (laughs) Ownerism's more niche and Dark Throne is more of a consistent idea. Yeah, that is a good point. I feel like because in a way it's like if you get Dark Throne... And I remember a, a good friend of mine who I showed Dark Throne. It was my birthday a few years ago and I was like, look, it's my birthday. We can listen to what I want to listen to. <laughs> and so we listened to A Blaze in the Northern Sky. And after about half an hour, he was like, man, this is actually like really chill. I'm really into this. It's kind yeah. of endless, stomping, grinding, necro-soundy sort of stuff. Whereas I feel like ownerism might be a tougher sell in some ways. I think it's interesting that because it, it's a less, I guess, pure example of the genre, isn't it? Mm. So mm. you could listen to ownerism and really like the, you know part one and, and part three yeah where it's all it's all orchestral and stuff mm. and just listen to those and miss out on the back so maybe yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah so maybe dark throne is better to start with because at least it's consistently horrible throughout whereas <laughs> when people listen to ownerism they'll be like why couldn't you have just stayed with the beginning bit <laughs> like, i, I genuinely i'm yeah. sure i i know so many people who would say exactly that <laughs> yeah. yeah they'd say they'd, they'd say i'd like i liked the, the like drums and the like orchestra or whatever but i didn't like the the screaming yeah why did he have yeah, to start man. doing the screaming bit i didn't like that bit. <laughs> <laughs> well did you guys have any standout tracks on this album and let's try and choose the black metal tracks <laughs> Yeah, part one and part three. Or two of them. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Well, it's 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 um three out of five, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think yeah. you have to take this um this album as a whole. Um, mm. It's you know it's for sure. It's all it's in parts. You know, I think it is a it's a consistent piece throughout. Um, yeah. But obviously, yeah, part two and four being the more black metal parts, and then the the final track. I enjoyed them more, but it, it it's an entire package. I didn't. I couldn't really break it apart like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think um, I, I really liked it, actually. I really enjoyed it. And it's um, for me, it didn't really stand out because I feel like I've heard lots of things like it before and I feel like I will continue listening to things like it in the future. Um, but I did, I really liked the last track in particular. I think one thing I found was, I think especially in Black Metal, where all the songs have the same name and they're like part one, part two, part three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think sometimes that really works. With Migler, it really works because the lyrics are a bit more kind of legible and you can pick the songs apart a little bit. I found that these sort of blended a little bit and I would have liked something that identified them as different songs a little bit more. Yeah, no, for me, similarly, yes, take it as a whole. Parts two and four are my favourite, but yeah, it's hard to break it apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But a good album. I'm glad we checked it out. Good choice, Josh. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I oh, you finally like Music Bro. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, actually, <laughs> well, you say that, but we all fucking love Dexter. Yes, true, true. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Hard Dumbay. Uh... Yeah. Always picking I just, I'm bitter about episode one, or it's just, it's just bullying. I think, if anything, Dexter got the most positive reaction out of any of us in all the episodes true. we've recorded, right? True. No, I, I will concede we that. We all listen to it, and we're like, Whoa! <laughs> 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 Yeah, I, I, that's fair. That's fair. We all wanted to go join the Carthaginian army and <laughs> sack Rome. Before we do that, I think we need to talk about our third album this week. Eonian by Dimmer Borgia. So my choice this week is Eonian by Norwegian symphonic black metal giants Dimmer Borgia. It's their 10th studio album and came out uh, in 2018, actually, so pretty recent. Damn. Dimmu Borgia, I think, are really at the heart of a symphonic black metal wave, which seems to have been going around uh, in the last sort of 10, 20 years or so. Yeah. And I think with each album, they've leaned more and more into those symphonic em- elements. Yeah. And with that, I mean, they've generated a huge amount of success. They're fucking huge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. And I, I've no doubt that um, black metal purists will uh, turn their noses up at Dimmu Borgia. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, I think... It, it, to be fair, it is a massive transformation compared mm, to, mm. you know, Dark Throne versus Dimmuborgia, hugely different. Worlds apart, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so I think there's a lot to talk about here. Um, so I'm interested to hear what you guys thought. I loved this album. I thought it was amazing. I, I, I was, I was, I, I'll gush about this even worse. Than oh, really? Ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I okay. thought it was so good. It really, it did a lot of things really well. Yeah. Like, when I was younger, I used to be huge fan of Nightwish. Mm. Uh, my taste has gotten a bit heavier. I guess it's not listening to them because they, they haven't like their music sounds are like maybe a little bit too poppy. It's quite Disney. A bit too Yeah. Whereas I feel like Dimmu Borgir are like Nightwish but or like Beth. kind of evil. Definitely, yeah. That that's my kind of reaction to this album. Is that it's it's very much on that edge becoming becoming too light, but it, it's it's still just it's dark right enough. Right on to, the edge yeah, though. Yeah. So it's Josh right there. What was your like previous experience with Dimmu Borgir? I have never listened to Dimmu before in my life. Really? Um, my entire exposure to Dimmu was on the YouTube video of the Ailstorm song, Death Throws the Terror Squid, in the second <laughs> half, and it gets all kind of like black metal. Right. Someone said, oh, they went on Dimmu Borgir in the second half. And I was like, well, that was <laughs> yeah. the worst part of the song, so I'm not, not going to listen to Dimmu oh, What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> that... I love that bit, man. <laughs> <laughs> can we just I, was, say... I was blown away by that. And, you know, I haven't mentioned it yet, but Ailstorm, one of my favorite bands. Maybe not the last two albums, but we're going to talk about them at some point. So, for another day, perhaps. So then I'll just, yeah, that's not a lot of exposure to Dimmu Borgia for Josh. Um, Tom, <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What did you think and, and you know, previous experience of Dimmu Borgia? So, obviously, I'm, I'm familiar with Dimmu Borgia. The name's, you know, kicked around all the fucking time in the scene. I think people people love Dimmu Borgia. Like, you go to you go to any given metal festival and there are people, like, dressed like the members of Dimmu Borgia. Yeah. There are, you get these black metal guys who they, they go for the full-on look and stuff. So I had that level of exposure where I was like, oh, okay, they're kind of one of those bands a little bit. Very strong gimmick. Some songs that I kind of know. Definitely the song Gateways I really, really liked. Yeah. I liked mm. it then. I like it now. It has these guest vocals from a, a woman called Agnit Maria Forfang Kjolsrud. Uh, (laughs) who's a Norwegian rock singer Uh, she's featured on that album and she's featured on Campfire's album Ophidians I think if if you're into black metal and you like Dimmu Borgia you should check out Campfire as well they're they're, they're much heavier and darker but definitely there's a similar vibe I think yeah, in terms of the heaviness, I do think that this album, much like Onerism, I was surprised at how sort of uplifting it was. Yeah. I, yeah. I also didn't have a huge amount of experience with Jimmy Borgia. Like Tom, I've mm. heard a couple of songs. that I know they're huge. I know people really love them. Yeah. Um, and I kind of picked this album as a reason to finally force myself to listen to an album all the way through. And i got to say, I, I don't regret the choice. It was really good. I um, wanted to ask you, Ben, about um, what led you to picking this album because I know that I knew that you were sort of into black metal in terms of kind of getting into it i like to think that i forced your hand in that respect (laughs) (laughs) and i feel like you the reason you've asked this question is because you already know the answer so um my original choice i was actually going to pick a satiricon album um Mm. but i kind of wanted to do something that was a bit more um like really popular at the moment and sort of represented like what the genre is in in the 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 mainstream in quotes Mm um yeah and I sort of said, oh, yeah, Dimmu Borgia. Like, I, I've kind of heard of them. And then you told me to listen to the song Interdimensional Summit. And once oh, I listened mate. to that, <laughs> I knew I had to pick this album. Now, that's the thing. We should just we yeah. should just fucking talk about that song, Interdimensional Summit, because yeah. 
I like this album. I think it's cool. Interdimensional Summit, I think I heard it in like September last year and it was in my, uh, it was like one of the top three songs of last year. That's how obsessed with it I was. That's impressive. It made its way all the way there in the last three months of a year. <laughs> Literally, yeah. <laughs> really kind of captures the whole, all the best bits of the album, doesn't it? It's like all, it's like every, it's, it's really Maximus, like everything at mm. once. Yeah, so I, I found, again, Calling back to Dark Throne, I feel like there were a lot of different ideas there which could all splinter off in different directions. Yeah, Whereas, yeah. this is going to sound like a criticism, but it's honestly not. This album, I feel like they, they have sort of one idea, which is this operatic synth black mm. metal thing. And they do it again and again and again. And every track is great, but there's, there's not a great deal of... I mean, obviously, there's variation in terms of like the musical mm. composition and stuff. But it almost a little bit samey. But Interdimensional Summit is the best example of that yeah yeah i would have liked to have heard them taking a bit more of a gamble with some of the compositions that's what i mean yeah but i feel like as you say international summer is kind of like it's the pinnacle of what they can do with this sound like yeah. that song it starts really strong with the kind of like really epic like string instruments and it mm. just goes straight into it the the verse like just has so much pace to it the chorus is just this high soaring thing it's got that kind of bridge where it all like the whole song just like stops and then kind of there's that kind of like breathing in moment. And mm. then it just goes whoomph into the second half and finishes off the song. And it's it's a it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> no, it is an amazing song. And I think it's really interesting how I felt like in the second half of the song, the strings actually like the string sort of section took the lead over the guitars almost. Yeah. Like it yeah, became yeah. almost more mm. like an orchestra performance than it did a black metal <laughs> song. And that's the thing, I think, whereas ownerism is kind of mixing these two sounds, like you've got like uh, the orchestral stuff and then it moves into the sort of uh, yeah. black metal yeah. stuff. This is more like, this is blending both of them at once. You're, mm. you're, you're hearing both things at once. And it, what's interesting is that I was listening to this and at points I was like, is there even anyone playing guitar in this song? Yeah. <laughs> it's so low down in the mix, you know? Yeah. Like, it's almost like vocals, string instruments, guitar, drums kind of thing. It is interesting how, how it's kind of, like you say, almost not even rock music. Yeah. You know, let alone metal music. So it's just it's just so so synthy and orchestral. And they've got like a real choir. It's really cool. Mm. Yeah. But well, they've toured with how, an orchestra before. Yeah. Wow. I, I like I honestly, I knew nothing about doing Borgir, but now, like, the first chance I have to see them live, I'm gonna buy tickets. Bloodstock like, 2021, Josh. So Bloodstock 2021. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was just so blown away. Like it, it, it just, it really, like, it reminds me of in, in, in like songs, in Alanathrak songs, like, um, you know, like mm. say, like the Age of Starlight Ends or something, yeah. where it's got a big soaring chorus. Yeah. It's yeah. like that, but like whole songs worth of it. And I just thought it was amazing. Yeah. I really liked it. Yeah. It's like it's like power black metal. It, it is so good. The, the, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I was really excited by it. I was just, I was just so hyped. Interception Summit's great, and then the song after Atheric mm. also just really, I think, nails all those different things together. Yeah. In a really good way. Absolutely. And I'll stop now. <laughs> we don't want to say anything too positive on this show. <laughs> one thing that I really liked about it, and one of the reasons I got so hooked on that song, is that it kind of epitomizes something that I really like about black metal, where it's like, it's willing to delve into more spiritual stuff. Like, you know, yeah. there's, there's obviously spiritual elements in all sorts of music, all sorts of metal, but I definitely felt when I got into black metal that it was touching on spiritual and philosophical ideas. And I like, I love the chorus in, um, interdimensional summit where he says to the trained eye, there are no coincidences. The more you see, the less it makes sense. And it's like, I spent a lot of time last year during the lockdown cycling around the woods near my parents' house and listening to black metal. And definitely, I feel like a lot of those spiritual ideas were at the forefront of my mind during that period of time. And this mm. was one of the one of the songs, and black metal was one of the genres that really captured that kind of feeling of uh, you know, having some sort of a breakthrough in. Let's be real, some pretty pretty shit, a pretty shit year. <laughs> yeah. yeah it it's just, it's amazing to me how uplifting and, pow and like empowering it feels. Mm. As a, as, you know, for, for a genre of music which has a, which has a, a section called suicidal depressive black metal, yeah. it's kind of amazing that you can, <laughs> it's yeah. got this in it as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. So for me, the biggest comparison was Winter Sun. And I don't know if you guys have listened to Winter Sun. I before, actually but haven't listened to Winter Sun. You recommended a track 
um, yeah. before the show. I had I had a listen, um, and I, I definitely see the comparison. Um, yeah, 100%. Sons of Winter and Stars. Yeah, I, I can definitely see the comparison. I feel like only ever so slightly they are leaning more towards that Nightwish side of things, Winter Sun. Yeah, yeah. but it, it was re- really good as well. And I think yeah, if you like Dimmu Borgir, if you like this album in particular, you'd also like that Winter Sun. Definitely, yeah. I think you can go you can go more or less melodic. You can go in a lot of different directions from Dimmu Borgir. I could understand somebody getting into black metal using this as a kind of gateway to it yeah yeah mm-hmm. I, I think uh josh you would also really like um Borknagar. i don't know how to say that name properly and you should check out campfire as well campfire okay. I'll, I'll have to do that because I, I i was really impressed by this i, I was really like grabbing i and... feel like this is more epic than any of those bands though to be honest this is like a uh, real okay. this is this is epic as fuck, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, <laughs> right. they they really is, yeah. they've really really mm. hit that, and they've really leaned into it, and yeah. they're they're committed to what it is, you know. And I, yeah. I think they've they've nailed it. Really, I I can't imagine it feeling more epic than this without like but, just blowing my heart out of my chest or something. There is one way it could be improved. I think. Oh yeah. If it was actually about a fantasy world that the band had created, and it was a concept album describing a, a fantasy <laughs> war, that's what's missing. Josh, you aware, are you aware that all of Immortal's songs are based on a a, a fantasy world that they oh, created? Immortal are really somehow. I feel like he's still not going to listen to Immortal. I, I I really want to like Immortal. I just don't. <laughs> Josh, listen to Mighty Raven Dark. Okay, that's a brilliant song. I I know Immortal. I love the concept. I just. I've never been grabbed by them, but I'll check it out. Should we move back? Let's bring it back to Dimmu Borgir. Yeah, I was going to say, we're now recommending a more to a song instead of Dimmu Borgir. As much as we're all kind of gushing about this album, I I liked it, but I really wasn't that blown away by it. Mm. Uh, I think um, I could definitely see myself coming back to it and listening to it, but I don't think it's going to be like a favorite for me, to be honest. Yeah. I think uh, Interdimensional Summit, I really like that song. I also really liked The Unveiling, the first song, Uh, Aetheric. Uh, Cancel Wars and Sakes is really good. And the thing is, I was listening through it and I thought, oh, Lightbringer, that was a song I liked, wasn't it? And I put it on and I thought, hang on, was that, am I thinking of Aetheric? And then I went and listened to that and thought, uh, wait a minute. So there and, is. And I think that sums it up a little bit for me yeah. is that they're all pretty fucking good. Interdimensional Summit is great, but ultimately I feel like apart from that song, the album blends into one in what I would say is a negative way. Really? Given the potential of the sound that's expressed in um, Interdimensional Summit, I think they could have taken a bit more of a gamble with some of the songs and, you know, had something fast and a bit more choppy, had something really much more epic thrown in, maybe one that was, like, all acoustic or something yeah. like that. I feel like, you know, just, uh, you know, do something a little bit different. Yeah, do you know I, I won't... When, you, when your sound is that good, you know. That's yeah, that. 100%. I haven't really got much more to add to that because I really think you hit the nail on the head for me as well. I loved Interdimensional Summit. I loved Council of Wolves and Snakes. I'll probably pick those two songs out and chuck them on some playlists, but yeah. I probably won't be listening to the album all the way through because, yeah, exactly what you said. I feel like they could have taken more risks. As much as I liked it, I, I, I am finding myself agreeing with you guys. Like, I really loved Interdimensional Summit and I really loved Etheric, but, like, they're going to go on my playlist. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if I'll, like, necessarily have, like, Lightbringer on there. You know example. what? It's yeah. not a huge criticism, right? They picked a thing, they executed it perfectly. It's, yeah. it's great, but you, when you have something like that, you just pick out a couple of standout tracks and then... Mm. Yeah, exactly. You know. Like it, It's not a, it's not even a criticism yeah. in a way. It's, it's like they, they've done this thing really well and yeah. like those two songs, the, the couple songs people picked out, they've all been excellent. And then... Oh, yeah, we talk about 10 out of 10 of tracks, stuff, right? Like 10 out of yeah, 10. Yeah, and then, and then the rest is like an 8 out of 10. But if you've got a 10 out of 10, why would you listen to the 8 out of 10? Yeah. You know? it, doesn't, it doesn't mean it's bad. And I'm sure that old school Demi Borgir fans, people who have been into yeah. it for years, I'm sure that they will seriously enjoy this album and probably be able to tell you all the lyrics to every song but i think uh if you're coming if you're coming into this like we are i would have liked something a bit more different in there that's fair but all in all a good fucking listen as well absolutely highly recommended so that was dark thrones a blaze of a northern sky ownerisms the well of stars and Dimmy Borgir's Eonian. Yeah, some really great albums there. I love black metal, and I um, we've said this a couple of times, but this uh, hopefully will be the first of many black metal albums that we cover oh, definitely. on this definitely. show. And, and, sure. and I'm hoping that in a future series, we can do another black metal episode, because uh, I'd love to show you guys some of the bands that I'm into at the moment. Yeah, no, I mean, I'd love to go and do some, you know, 
a whole episode on early black metal. I'd love to do a whole episode on, you know, what, what's out there right now and go more into sort of Dimmerborgia and things like that. There, there's just so much within one genre, you know, we could, there's, there's so much. Yeah. It's such a huge genre. I think even beyond mm. like, gen- even beyond like generic genres, like, well, not generic, mm. but like more like quite special, like, like metalcore, for example, which have kind of become everything. Like black metal really spread out and it, it's now yeah. in things that aren't even metal anymore. You know, yeah. it's, it's influenced synth and ambient mm. and, and and like you're saying with um you know the synth wave like 80s throwback like dark wave synth yeah on that can i just guys make a quick recommendation on that because perturbator and irving force are two fantastic mm. artists in that area and i'm definitely going to bring one of those to a future episode it's a diverse genre you know if you think if we were going to do an episode on stoner metal i feel like we could pick three bands that are quite good representations certainly do a much better job than we did today yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, it, it's I really it's possible. Yeah, so. it, it's really opened my eyes. It really has. I, like yeah. I said at the start of the episode, coming into this, I thought we were going to be talking about basically free Dark Throne albums. Yeah. Black metal is the genre that I'm listening to the most at the moment and getting the most out of. So I, I could talk about this for hours and days, but we didn't even have the opportunity here because there's just so much variation mm. in a genre which to most people just sounds like fucking noise. <laughs> I would like to get some recommendations. So on that note, Maybe we should just move on and talk about what we're going to be covering next week. I'll be bringing Boss Keloid's album, Melted on the Inch. Probably one of my, I'm not even going to say top 10, I reckon top three albums of all time. I absolutely Mm. love this album and I cannot wait to gush about it for as much time as you guys will let me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, how about you, Josh? What are we talking about next week? I'm bringing a controversial pick, possibly, um, Ascendancy by Trivium. I'm interested to listen to this one because I feel like I am biased against Trivium, and I don't know why, because realistically, I've barely listened to their music. Interesting. Seriously, Trivium get a lot of hate. Oh, really? I don't think they deserve it. Okay. I, especially their earlier stuff, I think, was pretty solid. Cool. Well, I'm open-minded. I'm going into this hoping that I can... The thing is, if I get into Trivium, then maybe I can go see a Trivium show, and that's just another gig. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. how about you, Tom? What are you, what are you bringing for us? I'm bringing an album that I'm listening to all the fucking time at the mm. moment. It's an album called Jeshek Ninami Namas Pomiswu by a band called Gruja. That was very good, I and think. I'm very excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> How long did you spend practicing that? Oh, days. <laughs> <laughs> I also, I, I think you've linked this to me pretty much every single day for the last fortnight. So, yeah. I've linked it to just about everyone I know. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I can I'm tell you're into it. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I, I've got no links from you, Tom. I'm very offended. Are you it's sure? It's in the group chat, yeah. Josh. <laughs> Josh, we've spoken about this before. Have we? I, was pos- yeah, I probably definitely. was like, don't send me any more of this shit. Well, it's part of a sort of growing Polish new wave, including bands like BSE and Odrasa, which um, ah. are absolutely brilliant as well. Mm. So I'm, I'm ready to fucking gush about it because I love I'm it. I'm excited for next week. I think those are three really interesting choices. I think a bit of yeah, variation it's be there, great. but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's Let's fucking one. do it. Yeah. So that was episode four of the Metal Face podcast, our first genre-specific episode on black metal. Mm. Um, I'm sure we'll be making oh, yeah. a return to it pretty soon. It sounds like next week. I hope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hope everyone enjoyed. We'll talk to you all next week. We'll see you again real soon. Bye. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. That was the Metal Face podcast. Go follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for Season Miss, Carrick Anger, and Separation for their music in the intro. And thank you to Johnny Peterson for transition music throughout. Go check out his projects at Heads for the Dead, Massacre, Worm Vale, and Wombat. And most importantly, thank you for listening. Take it easy, and hail Satan. Alrighty then. Let's do the onion. Dimu onion. Dimu burger. Dimu burger onion. Dimu burger. And the album, The Onion. Okay, I cannot include this in the show because it's not good. The onion. Right. Wait, it's not racist to say onion. <laughs> what accent are you parodying? Wait, this week on Hot Take Podcast. He's <laughs> <laughs> saying this onion. It's fine to say onion. It's how the French say onion. Oh, it's the no, French one. Probably. <laughs> um, right, okay. So my choice this week is Eonian by Norwegian symphonic black metal giants Dimmu Borgir. Um, it's their 10th studio album and was birthed into this world pretty recently in 2018. Uh, Dimmu Borgir. Very recently, well. Yeah, it's, it's very, very, well, a very new, three years old now, whatever. Um, I think Dimmy Borgir are really at the Sorry, heart. Sorry, Ben, of... I fucked that up. I think we should cut that okay, and start again. <laughs> um, so my choice is, and now I'm going to have to say Eonian again, and I hate saying it. <laughs> Eonian. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> You're not helping. <laughs> Sorry. So my choice this week is Yonion. <laughs> 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 